Welcome to the Tax Girl Podcast, your home for tax news, tax info, and tax policy. In each episode, I'll share conversations about taxes, money, and the choices that we make. I'm your host, Kelly phillips for Tax Girl. I'm a practicing tax attorney, and I work with taxpayers like you every day. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started. We're finally in the last few months of 2020, but believe it or not, the next tax season is just around the corner. Tax season typically brings some anxiety with taxpayers worrying about filing their taxes. In a Wallet Hub survey, 30% of people say making a math mistake, as well as not having enough money, are their biggest tax day fears, edging out only identity theft at the top of the list. One in five taxpayers worry that they will be audited. It can be overwhelming, and I think folks worry about doing it wrong because so many of us feel like we're not organized. I will confess that I am a tax attorney. I help people get and remain compliant for a living, and I am no expert on organizing. So I decided to call in an expert. Since 2008, Karen R. Cacavo, president of Personal Money Manager, is a financial paperwork professional working in the New York tri-state area primarily with seniors safely in their homes. An MBA from the Wharton School, Karen coordinates her work with clients' trusted advisors, like attorneys, accountants, financial advisors, etc., to help get important work completed on a timely basis. Karen holds leadership positions in the American Association of Daily Money Managers, Greater New York Chapter, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals, and the Estate Planning Council of Rockland County, New York. She is a background-checked, bonded, and insured professional. Thanks for being here, Karen. Thank you. So some of this information can be so overwhelming for taxpayers, and they just don't know what to do or where to start. So how do folks get started? So, of course, great question. One I get a lot. And, and of course, there's not one correct answer. So uh, l- let me throw out a few ideas, you know, see if any of these appeal to you. And, um, and I suggested people experiment and, and see what works for them. So, for example, the first thing might be start with what's important to you, the, the, the area that's really bugging you, you know, the, 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 the place that the house is, on, <laughs> house is on fire, if I may okay. use that analogy. Sure. So, um, you know, that's the thing. People say, oh, you know, my, my, my credit card receipts. Or, oh, my, you know, again, tax time, my tax document. So, so kind of like your, you know, your weak point or the thing that you keep coming back to, you're, you're telling yourself something. Another thought is where you get more dramatic results. Sometimes I walk into someone's home and their kitchen table is full of paper. And I say, gosh, wouldn't it be nice to be able to have, you know, breakfast or a cup of tea or something without looking at all these papers? Right. So if we clear that surface, or maybe it's a, you know, dining room table or a, you know, coffee table or home office desk, again, you might get some really quick results and say, wow, you know, and that motivates, that motivates. I think that's terrific advice, actually, the, the, to, to get motivated, because I do think that um, I've noticed with my clients that baby steps, sometimes it helps you build confidence to tackle the next step, right? So mm-hmm. thanks. Yeah, sure, sure. And that was my third thought, which is, you know, it r- relates to that certainly is, is start with the easiest. So instead of just, you know, going in and, and taking on the biggest task, 
um, which you maybe avoided or scares you, maybe start with really easy. I say to people, let's just, um, you know, sort out and, you know, pull out the catalogs and the magazines and sort that out from the important mail. Just, just like a really simple, you know, sorting exercise or, or, or one little end table or, you know, junk drawer or whatever. Right. So again, along the lines of what you were saying. So if, if I decide, or my clients decide, or the, the listeners say, you know what, it's tax documents. I have a big Tupperware, and I do, in fact, have a lot of clients to keep their, um, their receipts in Tupperware. So they have a big Tupperware just full of receipts and papers and W-2s. What next? Like they, they pull it, they put it on the table, and they're like, this is going to be the task today. Like what mm-hmm. should be the next step? Right. Okay. Well, first of all, I, I, I guess, you know, the first thing that struck me when you were describing that is what I, what I ask my clients to do, and sometimes, you know, I do it for them, is I set up a separate, you know, inbox or, you know, box or file, whatever, for the tax documents. And as you know, those don't really come in till January. So we're right. talking about the, you know, the, the social security statement and the 1099s and those kinds of things. And those really usually are not that big. So I really like to segregate those out, like like set up a file, certainly November, December, but those are not going to start coming in until January. Okay. When it comes to the receipts, and again, depends on your clients or, you know, individual taxpayers or businesses or both, is what I like to do is educate my clients. I'm sure you do as well. And like what receipts have tax implications? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> So if you can almost like pre-sort, like before you, you throw in everything, you know, all the receipts from, you know, Target and the supermarket and maybe the utility company into a bin, like give yourself a break and maybe know ahead of time that only maybe half of those are really going to make a difference. And I think that, that is hard for taxpayers, especially now, because in a post-taxpayer cuts and jobs act world. A lot of folks who used to itemize and used to need to hold on all of those receipts don't even need to hold on to them anymore. So even uh-huh. folks who have been, you know, conditioned over years that they need uh-huh. to save those doctor's receipts, maybe they don't even need to do that now. So it's worth taking a look at your tax return and seeing what kinds of things you're deducting. Because if you're always claiming the standard deduction these days, you don't need the receipts from the pharmacies. You don't need those doctor receipts anymore. Exactly. So I think that's, again, really good advice because I do think part of the thing that becomes overwhelming is you look at the box and there's, yeah. you know, 200 pieces of paper in there and you just don't know where to start. So understanding that you don't need to be adding to the box as you go, I think goes a long way to making the end a little easier. Yeah. And there are also some shortcuts. I mean, one of the things I learned really early on, like I've been doing this for 13 years, but really early on, a colleague said to me, you go to the pharmacy or you call the pharmacy and you say, can you print, do a printout for me? Right. And they'll even do it for, you know, for me as, you know, not the, you know, uh, you know, as not the patient um, sure. themselves, but um, so you don't necessarily have to keep all those receipts. No, at, at year end, we call the pharmacy or January, February, for the previous year, and we get two or three pages, whatever it is, with all their prescriptions. So it's right there. Or the insurance company will give that to you. That's wonderful. So there are some really great shortcuts that really save all the little bits of pieces of paper. What about folks who do things like um, drive for a living? So I have clients who do a lot of driving and they have to have business miles 
and then they save their toll receipts and they save their, you know, their eating out receipts. Do you recommend keeping that separate or how do you, because I know there's a really big push and I know that a lot of my tax professionals who are listening are probably screaming like these folks need to get an app. Um, And I do think that there's usefulness Mm -hmm. with apps, but a lot of people still rely on paper because they, they can't give it up. Um, Is there a way that you would suggest, especially for people who kind of, you know, live and work in their cars almost to, to segregate those pieces of paper or be more organized when they don't have a bin right there? You know, like, it's Mm -hmm. not like they're going into the house and they're sorting the mail and they're kind of tossing it. They're, they're grabbing things as they go and it's busy and they have a car full of receipts. Is there sure. do you have recommendations for, for someone like that? Yeah. Well, well, when, you know, when you mentioned, you know, tells and parking, you didn't mention parking, but, but all that comes to like easy pass. So I, I get that. I, I don't have toll receipts. It all right, comes right. In, in a bill, right. Um, so, so I get my easy pass. So that, that, that makes it easy. All my parking, even my two and $3, you know, things, you know, I, I put in my business credit card and, and that's all, you know, again, saved in one place for me. The others, I, I'm kind of old fashioned with that. I literally like envelopes. I mean, it sounds, it sounds crazy, but you know, in your car, again, if you, you, you're not coming into the house or coming into the office. Mm-hmm just have a place for it. You know, the idea of having a home for things so that things are not just floating around your car. Again, you know, you know, take that receipt usually on a credit card. So it's going to be captured somewhere anyhow, but if right. you need the receipt itself, you know, have, have a simple uh, envelope, you know, marked in a certain way. I don't know, meals, lunch, whatever, whatever it happens to be and just have it so that, you know, that it's, it's captured, you know, kind of at, at the moment. Right. And you actually, when you, when you mentioned the credit card, that brings up a really great point, which is something that I try to talk about with my clients who are either independent contractors, gig workers, or small business owners about keeping your personal life separate from your business. That's really hard to do. I think Mm. for a lot of us, because we're so busy, I'm a working mom and I confess that I throw a lot of stuff mixed together in my filing cabinet and I sort it out later. But one of the ways that you can kind of cut down on that, as you mentioned, is to have separate accounts for things. Because mm-hmm. if you're always paying tolls, or I also have Easy Pass because I'm also in the Northeast, I'm in Pennsylvania. But I know in some states, uh, folks aren't as easily, um, it's not as easily accessible or reliable. But if you do have ways to consolidate expenses so that you keep your business expenses together, I think that's really helpful. Yeah, it, just a funny little, little story. I remember talking to someone who's who started their career as literally an economic development person in in a third world country, and they said the first lesson they taught people was keeping personal and business expenses separately, or person, you know, income separate. And I thought, wow, you know, th- this is what we're, we're teaching people who are who are literally cultivating their you know their backyards. Like that's a really basic you know lesson for all of us. Right. But it's one that I see over and over missed. And I have, I have the same, I've made the same mistakes because when, especially if you do something like freelancing, which increasingly in the economy people are doing, a lot of companies, they don't want to pay separately, right? They're going to pay you as an individual, not your company. And so it gets Mm. confusing when you are transferring things back and forth. So 
it, it, it makes sense to have one credit card for business because then even if you have to move around some money from accounts, everything's still in one place on the statement, which I think is really mm-hmm. helpful. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Kind of transitioning back to um, homes. So you were talking about like walking in and, and having piles of papers. Um, I have a lot of taxpayers who can't find their documents. It's not a, it's not a matter of I have all of everything here for 2020. I just have to sort through it. I have folks who don't know where their statements are because they didn't get started organizing. So one of the things I tell my taxpayers is that, especially when we're looking at how do we resolve issues right now, is that, you know, try not to stress out about the things that have gone wrong before. Let's start fresh with trying to fix it now. So if you're talking to someone who has traditionally not been able to keep up with things, mm-hmm. what are some basic tips for, so assuming that they, they don't, you know, we're not going to worry about the, the, the table full of papers, but they're looking at, I'm going to start getting statements in January, like you mentioned before, where do I put them? How do I make sure that that pile or that mm-hmm. stack of papers doesn't become pile of papers on the table? Like, how yeah. do you, like, not how do you tackle the existing stuff, but how mm-hmm. do you decide, you know, January, I'm going to do this right this year? How, how do you make that happen? A little bit of trial and error, certainly, you know, and as I said, I mean, it sounds funny, but I walk in with like a label maker and we, we, we kind of experiment a little bit on, you know, action files and, and certainly tax files. So now we have, you know, a, you know, a 2020 and a 2021, you know, tax file to set up. Mm-hmm. And, and we start looking around and we say, you know, what's, what's a good spot for you? I mean, you know, as I said, some people say, I'd love to reclaim my kitchen table just for, you know, for breakfast or, right. or I want to start working in the office and maybe the office is upstairs and down the hall. And so it's, it's a great like home office idea, but if the papers are not going to get from the mailbox in the house upstairs, you know, um, we need something maybe more accessible or immediate, you know, for for, for those, for that mail or those, you know, important statements. Part of it is just training ourselves, you know, like a lot of it you know, goes back to, to kindergarten. We learned to put the blocks in the block corner and the, mm-hmm. and the dress up clothes in the dress up corner. Sort of, it is, you know, it's, there's no magic bullet. You know, um, when I'm working with people, I always say, you know, how much do you want me to do? How much can you do yourself? Or do you want to do yourself? And, you know, it's usually, a, you know, negotiation and an evolution. For some people, it's like they want me to do it. And that, you know, that's fine. They're, you know, they're <laughs> paying me to do that. And, you know, I can do the sorting and, and, and keep the tax, you know, files together. But it's an education. And a lot of us, you know, didn't grow up doing it or haven't done it in the past. It's, uh, you know, it's a training just like, you know, learning any new skill. And I don't think a lot of people know that there are professional organizers out there. So how do you work and how do people find professional organizers? So the concept of professional organizers comes from the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals or NAPO. So it's napo.net. And that's a, a network of people. It's actually international people with credentials, you know, as professional organizing uh, okay. organizers. And those are my, certainly my colleagues and do everything from you know, decluttering, downsizing, you know, major uh, moves and paper. 
kind of a subset of that, but a separate organization is the American Association of Daily Money Managers or AADMM.com. And what, what we are is exclusively paper and financial organizers. What's great about, we call it Adam. <laughs> What's great about Adam mm-hmm. is in order to join that organization, you have to be background checked. So every two years, we're background checked. You have to be obviously successfully background checked to renew sure. your membership. And many of us, most of us are bonded and insured. So this group, the, the Adam group, um, again, you could do a, a, you know, a kind of zip code search for either of those organizations, NAPO or Adam. But I really recommend people, you know, reaching out for help, just like you would in other aspects of your life mm-hmm. and get someone who's qualified and, and is good fit for you. And I'll be sure to put those links in the show notes if folks are, if you didn't catch them, I'll be sure to put those links in the, in the show notes. When you were mentioning uh, paper and kind of going through, so paper is, I know, again, some of my my colleagues are shaking their heads and saying, you know, go paperless, go paperless. I know there are still a lot of people, myself included, that are not in the 100% paperless camp. When you have somebody who has a lot of paper how do you convince people to let go of the paper? Because this is something that I talk about constantly. I think one of my most popular articles every year is about statute of limitations and how, uh, how long mm. you need to mm-hmm. hold on to records, but people still won't let them go. I mean, I have taxpayers who will hold on to, you know, 1099s for interest for 20 years. And, you know, and I want to tell them, no, it's it's okay to put them in the shredder. How do you kind of prepare people, I guess, emotionally for letting go of the paper? Because this is something I think that complicates the organizing process because right. you run out of room in the filing cabinet because right. you won't let things go. You don't need your moral Lynch statement from, you know, 1999. And so how, how do you convince people? Cause there are a lot of people and it's not just, and I know some people assume it's just older people, but that's, I can tell you that I have clients who are younger, who are, are in the same way. Like they're so scared that they're going to throw away something important. Right. How do you kind of explain to them or kind of, how do you convince someone that these things, it's okay to let go? Right. Right. Well, I think a lot of it is in the eye of the beholder. In, mm-hmm. in other words, I am not going to convince someone to let go of something and then, you know, God forbid, the state or the IRS, because it's happened, you know, come back and say, hmm, where is that statement from 20 years ago that Merrill Lynch doesn't have anymore? So what I do is I definitely work within people's comfort level. But mm-hmm. what I say is, and you're talking to someone who has, you know, six file cabinets in, in their home. So I'm real belt and suspenders. I feel more comfortable having the paper, but it does not (laughs) impinge on my life. In other words, I am not giving up, again, (laughs) that kitchen table. I am not giving up my den for paper. So in a lot of ways, it's kind of working backwards almost. It's one is your comfort level, and I have to work within clients' comfort levels. And the other is how much room you have for things. So when I say, for example, you might have archives which is great. Let's say you want to keep your grandfather's tax return or you know whatever it happens to be. Right. Great. But it doesn't have to be at your fingertips. Sure. So one great idea I do with people is is you know kind of think think of your 
your home or your home office or your desk as real estate. So the most valuable real estate is the things that you can get your fingers on, you know, your hands on right, you know, right away, quickly. Right. You know, right at your fingertips. So great, great grandpa's tax return does not have to be your fingertips. If you really, really want to keep it, put it in an archive and that can be, you know, your garage, your storage area, you know, you name it, but it doesn't have to impinge on your functioning and living space. That's a really good point about, I think that, you know, because there are people that don't want to let go of things, but Mm -hmm. just having them out of the way, I think it just goes a long way towards freeing up space. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're kind of, if someone's listening and they're like, you know what, I'm ready, I'm ready. Um, And we talked about some tips about, you know, how to get started. Do you have um, an idea of, and I understand this is personal to everybody, but like, best time to get started? Because I know a lot of people will say beginning of year, end of year. And I know that in the tax world, we like to um, look at quarters. And mm-hmm. I and I also um, kind of a, along those lines, I have a story that I told on a, on a prior episode of the podcast, but I, I do have taxpayers who want to get started, but they'll contact someone, like maybe they're going to hire a payroll company and the payroll company will say to them, you know, I don't, I'm not going to start in the middle of the month. It has to be the beginning of a quarter and you need to show me that you're organized for the past six months or whatever. Mm, so mm-hmm. it can be really daunting for people to kind of like pick a day. Like, cause you know, it's, it's not something I don't think people, I don't think people are organizing a little bit as they go when they start the process, right? Like if they make a commitment to, I'm going to get co- organized, it's usually a, I- I'm going to start today. Like, so if somebody was wanting to, make a change. Do you have, like in your experience, have you noticed that people do better if they start at year end, start at beginning of the year, start at the beginning of a month? Does it matter? Does it impact how effective you can be? Well, you know, I do home and personal organizing. So, you know, I totally understand about the business, you know, in the quarters and the year, you know, I I certainly have my, you know, running my own business here. Sure. I, I think, you know, one is, is, is when, when you're ready, you know, when you're motivated, when, um, for example, God, you know, someone, someone passes away or you just got through a, 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 you know, a difficult tax time, boy, you're, you're motivated to make next tax time better. Right. So I think it's, you know, just to go with your natural, um, rhythms. And if you need to impose something, uh, you know, again, you know, the, you know, that whole January one, but what happens with that is if you don't get started January one, and now it's February, March, you kind of, you might be tempted to throw up your hands and say, mm, I guess I'll wait till next year. So <laughs> again, I, you know, I, I think it's very, um, you know, individual and, mm-hmm. and, and again, even if you want to start small, you know, just saying, even, you know, starting today, I'm going to sort out the junk mail and just, you know, you know, put in my inbox or my, 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 my bin in, important mail, you know, even if you start small, that, you know, that's something and you're, Again, you know, it's it's self reinforcing. That's interesting that you said that because I literally just jotted down unrealistic expectations. Mm. That's a problem that folks have when they get started. They think that they need to see results like tomorrow. So mm. I actually love that you said sort the junk mail because that's something that I am obsessive about doing. I literally sort it when I'm walking back from the mailbox so that mm. the junk goes immediately into my recycle bin, and then I I have the important stuff um, left. Do you have any uh, other like practical tips like that that help people kind of maybe manage their expectations? Like, you know, 
today's expectation is that I'm going to start sorting the mail. Are there other little projects that can help people build up confidence to tackle the bigger projects? Yeah. So one, one really basic thing I say, and this may be just, you know, totally obvious <laughs> for people, but when I, when I'm walking into someone's home and I'm, I'm working with them and I'm looking and saying, like, well, where do you put your mail? And well, some goes on the steps and some goes on, you know, the kitchen table and some, you know, what, and, and again, sometimes if I'm, if I'm stepping in and, you know, something happened or, you know, someone has, you know, cognitive impairment or what, like, like knowing that there is like one place or two places that I can look for something important is really, is really vital. So, so one of the first things I do with people is, is set up what's called a landing strip. And again, it might be a little bit of trial and error showing where the place is, you know, in their home. But if you don't have one place where the important mail goes, mm-hmm. please, you know, I, I'd certainly, certainly, you know, start with that today. The other thing too, is it sounds funny too, but I've walked in people's homes, big, you know, beautiful homes and, you know, maybe home office setups and desks in multiple places. And there literally is nowhere to put a file, like, like the drawers that, you know, there's no place to put like really basic, you know, household files that we need to put away, you know, again, credit card, utilities, legal files. And sometimes what I do is I, you know, we just buy a bin or buy a, a, a small filing cabinet. Because again, not everything can want you want out, and not everything is you know shoved into drawers. Right. And you don't want your house to look like an office. On the other hand, you know sometimes there's drawers that are easily converted into file drawers, mm-hmm. but just no one's no one's done it, and we can just you know retrofit it. So like having a place to put things away is good, and then having action files. So some people. They like the idea of nothing vi- visible. On the other hand, if, if that credit card bill or, or important correspondence isn't visible, they're going to forget about it. Um, so for those people, I'm in that category. I need action files with like a little stand up frame. You know, uh, I have it on my home, you know, home office. Sure. So, and then again, if the worst happens and someone has to come in and, and, and take over, those are obvious places to look for them to pick up where you left off. I think the comment that you made about kind of knowing your personality is just, it's, I mean, it feels like it should be obvious, but I don't think people look at it that way. Cause I do think we've all been trained and some of it is by financial experts and other people that are on TV that may be well-meaning, but have made you feel like there's only one way to do things. Mm. And that's not true. And like one of the things that you mentioned, um, I'm actually very anti-drawer and the reason in my office, mm-hmm. I don't have any drawers at my desk. I have a filing cabinet, but I don't have any drawers at my desk. And it's because early on, one of my first legal jobs, I didn't have a filing cabinet, but I did have a desk with a lot of drawers and mm-hmm. I found it really easy to toss things in. And then mm-hmm. you forget about them because they're out of sight, at least for me, because that's the way my personality is. So sure. I actually, I like you, I have a little stand up file on my desk that's right next to my daily calendar that the the stuff that needs to happen first is in the first slot, the stuff that can wait at the end. And that's how I organize. So I, do, I love the idea. And I love that you're reinforcing for folks that you have to know yourself because you're not going to change your personality for your paper. You know, <laughs> you need uh-huh. to figure out ways to make it work, you know, for your, for your own style. Yeah. 
the time, if I can just go back to the drawer. So working with with a senior recently, and my clients tend to be seniors, we we did use the drawers and 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 actually in, in ways that I found very effective. So for example, she's not doing her own filing and and lots of statements and things come in, but mm-hmm. I'm doing her filing for her. So it's like in her face, it's making her crazy. So I said, <laughs> take one of these drawers in your desk and literally everything that needs to be filed or you think needs to be filed that is is for me that you don't have to think about, please put in that drawer. And the other is her husband had passed away and there's a lots of memorabilia related to him and articles, sympathy cards and all that, which is wonderful. And she wants to have it handy, but it does, again, doesn't have to be out on the kitchen table. And so we have another drawer for Ted. I mean, it's like the things related to him that, again, have nothing to do with the organizing I do with her, but, but you know, um, memorabilia type things. Like that's a great place. And, and at your leisure, whenever you want, you open that drawer and you start going through that stuff or, or not, you know, totally up to you. Right. So it's nice having places that you don't have to, you know, look at and, you know, it, again, you know, if that works for you. So you mentioned that a lot of your work is with seniors. What is your advice for the, you know, the sandwich generation? So folks that are helping take care of mom and dad. Because mm. I've seen I've seen a lot of my clients yeah. who struggle because they can't get access to all of the records that they want to get access to for mom and dad, even though they might be paying bills and um, helping with taxes. And you know, some of that we we um, we do kind of on the back end, like maybe you you know you can get an additional bank statement, or maybe you can mm-hmm. have electronic access. But in mom and dad's home. Do you have tips for how people who are not the ones asking for the help can get the help? Because that's touchy, right? Like you go into your parents' home and uh-huh. maybe they have the the kitchen table full of papers. Right. And you know that stuff's not happening. And I've had clients, I have a client whose mother did not file for many years. And, uh-huh. um, you know, he's involved in in helping with the compliance work, but he didn't know that that, uh-huh. that had happened. Because mom and dad aren't going to necessarily tell you that they stopped paying the mortgage or they didn't file the returns. Mm-hmm. Assuming that they are on board with you helping, because that's where I see the disconnect a lot of times. Like the, the parents will say, yes, you can help me with my taxes or you can help me um, be my power of attorney or, or they'll, they'll make those concessions early on. But then that access to the information can be difficult. So are, are there... Do you have ways that you could suggest to help kind of finesse like ways that you can work together to get organized? Because I've seen that be a generational problem where, you know, it's really difficult to say to your mom that she doesn't need to, you know, continue to get the Sears catalog or whatever um, and and keep them for 10 years. Yeah, that's the easy part that, you know, (laughs) those extra catalogs and magazines. But yeah, of course, it's the important papers. So um, yeah, so I have a few tips. So so one is, of course, obviously, if I'm there on the scene, you know, having a neutral third party. Um, right. I remember someone saying to me early on, you know, I'd love to refer, you know, you to my, my mom, but, you know, she or it was a dad in that situation. Um, he's not going to hand you um, his checkbook. And I'm like, no, I don't expect him to. Is I can come in, we can develop a rapport. I can work, you know, next to him. I can, I, you know, I can, uh, you know, give him the second opinion or, or, or fill in when, you know, he's 
he's encountering something he doesn't want to do. Um, mm-hmm. I can document what he's doing. I can sit there and, and say, well, how many, how many checking accounts are there or how many? Again, not to change him from day one, but to document what's happening. Right. So that someone else again could step in, you know, in a pinch. So that new, and, and, and as I say, kind of with, a, <laughs> with the laugh is, is like, it's not my mom and it's not my dad. I mean, I love my clients, but um, there's not that baggage. Right. And there's not that power struggle. I so, say the same thing about attorneys. Like I don't have skin in the game. I'm just here to help. <laughs> yeah. 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 So again, the neutral, that neutral third party, you know, if you can, you know, afford it and, and a lot of families are far away. So, so I can be kind of the boots on the ground. So that's helpful. You mentioned power of attorney, really, really, really important. I mean, that power of attorney can really make the difference between things carrying on, you know, things continuing on and, and things not. And, you know, the, the mortgage being paid and, and, and important things getting done, you know, for the seniors. Right. This is also a really small thing, but it, it's really been a very helpful. There's a post office now has something called informed delivery. Yeah. Where you literally, again, you know, obviously with permission and with, you know, security is you, that third party, you know, the power of attorney, son, daughter, whoever can get like a, it, it's, it's an image every day of the mail that's coming in. My clients who travel in particular love that. The, mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because they can see ahead of time if it's something they need to worry about, you know, without it, it's not it, whether it's junk mail or something they need to make sure they check the post office or or if they're you know working through a post office box. Yeah, no, I love that uh, that feature. Yeah, so that that's like a wonderful almost uh, I don't know if you call it gatekeeper, but it's a wonderful no way to know what's coming in the mailbox for your loved one. So right, that's good. And also, kind of on the on the family side kind of uh, more maybe timely right now is one of the things that I've heard a lot about on social media that people are expressing frustrations with are people who have formerly been organized, but now because of COVID and having children set up in virtual uh, school all over the house, it's actually disrupting the, um, the, the earlier flow. So mm. maybe your office used to be your office. Now it is the family office. And, you know, or maybe the den, which used to just be a den, has become where the kids have the computer set up and now there are textbooks and notes and it's harder to find your space. Do you have any tips for reclaiming space? I mean, again, understanding that, that the, the kids have to be where they have to be. I mean, it's, we're all kind of doing it. We're facing new challenges that we haven't had before. But, you know, if you had, like you mentioned, a landing strip, if 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 those kinds of dynamics are shifting because now you have people in your space that weren't there before, you know, ha- you have practical temporary ways to maybe handle that, or is it just a matter of saying you're just going to have to power through it? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, obviously, as a professional organizer, <laughs> always looking for solutions. But I find, um, you know, again, having designated spaces for things and things that are a little harder to kind of uh, disrupt. So, I mean, the last thing I would want is, you know, again, having a, an inbox or landing strip for my mail, and then someone picks something off the top of it and use the back of the envelope to, to, to write a note, for example. Right. And I see, see, you know, my clients, you know, doing that kind of stuff all the time and saying it's, you know, it's here somewhere. 
So again, if there are certain things that I do not want people to touch, or I want to know it's there when I get back is, is rather than just, I mean, this sounds simple, but rather just like an open bin, you know, have one that closes and have one that says, you know, late label. I love my label maker. My clients love the label maker, Mm -hmm. you know, like moms, (laughs) you know, or whatever it is. Um, We, we use our label maker a lot. Oh, my daughter has a, my daughter is a teenager and she loves her label maker. So it's uh, multi-generational. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I mean, it sounds funny, but you know, we, we have multiple, I don't know, staplers and scissors and every, and they're all labeled. There are phones, you know, this is the den and this is, you know, dining room and this is, you know, kitchen. It's just so obvious to, you know, again, going back to kindergarten, we learned to (laughs) put things back right where they belong again with labels. So just a simple solution. Right. You mentioned uh, folks picking up those envelopes and, and writing on the back of them. Are there any other like common mistakes that you see people make that you think could easily be changed? Like, I actually think that that, you know, not writing on envelopes is a really good tip that I don't think people think about. What about do you see some like like common mistakes that have maybe have simple fixes? Um, yeah, and I, and I think we, we kind of touched on all of it. So one is, you know, obviously the unrealistic expectations. I mean, we're not going to be on HGTV. We're not Matt Martha Stewart. So, so it's, it's expectations, you know, that, that are attainable to us and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, desirable to, you know, just, just go for what's important to you. One is, um, really basic is go to your tax preparer. Yeah. And, and find out, you know, what, what they're like, as, as you were saying, you know, like what, what, what needs to be kept, what, what can be shredded. Um, because that person, you know, if you got audited and you certainly know much more about this than I do, but, but that's the person who's going to go to bat for you. So what is, what are their expectations and guidelines for what you need to keep and, um, you know, what they would be, you know, expecting to, to get from you if they, you know, if they needed to. The other thing I, I, you know, it's just this whole negative self-talk. There's so many clients, you know, I'm such a mess. I've never been good at this. I mean, it's good information for me to know, you know, like you've always been disorganized since, you know, kindergarten. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to be able to change you at age 80. Maybe it's good for me to know, but repeating that negative stuff is not, it's not going to help. So, um, I really try to put a, you know, um, you know, to, put a stop to, the, to that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I'm a mess. I've never been good at this. Oh boy. You know, you've never seen something as bad as, you know, wait till you see my desk, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Are you an advocate of scanning documents? It's funny again, because my, you know, my clients are, are seniors. We, they, they certainly are not, you know, are not scanning, but I love my Excel spreadsheets. So when I'm working with, you know, uh, tax information, or I always do a, um, almost like an owner's manual for each of my clients. So I do a multi-tab uh, Excel spreadsheet with, you know, one page for contacts, one page for, you know, trusted advisors, you know, another um, would be household accounts. You know, again, some people's lives are much more complicated than others, you know, list all the, you know, the, you know, the credit cards, the retirement accounts, that kind of thing. My, I share that with my clients. None of them have really wanted it in, in that format they wanted hard copy so mm-hmm. i'm happy to do that and it's all password protected and i definitely scan things like i i, I need and you know i let clients know so um you know i often need a copy of i don't know their driver's license or we have death certificates and that kind of thing right. so 
the reality is the clients themselves, my, my particular clients don't really have a, a way of keeping that or, or accessing it or interested in doing that. But whenever was getting new social security, new Medicare cards, rather, or new, I keep those things again, you know, in a secure environment and it's available, you know, if, if we need it or, or a power of attorney needs it or, you know, et cetera. But yeah, it, that's my peace of mind too, as, right. as a you know trusted advisor. So again, kind of it's end of the year. And I, I think a lot of folks are, this is, it's something that we hear a lot about, right? At, as the end of the year gets closer is that, you know, January 1st is coming. This is your chance to, to make a fresh start. I thought one of the things that you mentioned about the negative self-talk was really important because I have the same issue with my tax clients. If they've made mistakes in the past, sometimes it's really hard to just shift them into the mindset of that. That's not how you are defined. Like you can, Mm -hmm. you can, you can draw a line and we can fix this going forward. So kind of as a a last, uh, my last question, if you could, since you, you deal, you know, you do deal with this on, um, it sounds like a, a pretty common basis. If you could give like some positive, not reinforcement, I guess, but some, some positive talk to someone who feels that way, like, what would you say? Like, if our listeners are like, they're listening and they're like, but that is me. I am that person who is, who's a mess, who, uh, who isn't organized. Like, what would be kind of like your final thoughts on how do you shift that mindset into, you know what, it's time to make a change. I'm going to call in an expert or I'm going to tackle this myself. Like, how do they shift that thinking? Yeah, there's lots of good answers. Um, you know, one is the thing is like, okay, this is how I am. And then I reach out for help. Just like uh, I'm not great at making dinner. So I, you know, I, I order out or I, uh, you know, I get blue apron or whatever. So, right. so it's one is like maybe acknowledging this is not your, your area of strength or interest mm-hmm. and just say that's an area I'm going to, you know, invest in getting, you know, getting some help, you know, which is, it was fine. The other is, I believe, you know, turning over a new leaf. Yeah, great. I mean, I, I, I'm all for people learning new skills and, and feeling positive about, you know, starting a, a new year. And, and, and again, you know, get some tips, get some, you know, get, get yourself started because it, it's not something maybe intuitive to you. So, you know, st- starting with those basic files, maybe, you know, we're get, getting the label maker and get, you know, getting those basic files going, getting a, a landing strip, getting a, 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 you know, a file cabinet. Right. To get you started, it would be, you know, an, another thought. You know, those, I guess, those, you know, those are the ones that, that come to mind. Okay. And if people wanted to find you, where would they look? Do you have a, a website or social media? Sure. So my website, and then I have a blog on there. My, my, I was a professional writer back, back in the, in the day. So, um, it's, um, you know, personal money manager. So it's actually HTTPS, but, you know, just if you put in personal money manager.net, um, you get to my website, you get to see what it look like. And I have a blog that I update regularly. And I'll make sure to put those up. I'll, I'll link to that on the show notes for folks. Great. You know, and always happy to, you know, someone to reach out and, you know, for with questions, follow up any, you know, any kind of, uh, any, anything paper organizing related, um, awesome. I'm happy to talk about. Well, thanks very much. I think this is really helpful. I think uh, folks have a lot of really practical starting points now in terms of uh, kind of 
conquering some of those tax fears and, and, and getting organized. So thank you very much for your time today. I appreciate it. Sure. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks. I'd love to know what you thought of this episode. You can send an email with your feedback to podcast at taxgirl.com. And if you liked it, please share. You can find the audio of each episode at taxgirl.com. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, because paying taxes is painful, but hearing about them shouldn't have to be.